Hello, friends, and welcome to You Lost Me at Namaste, where we discuss all things wellness, well-being, and spirituality at the real world level. I'm your host and well-being alchemist, Michelle Schoenfeld, and I am really excited to have a phenomenal astrologist with us today. And I'm saying astrologist because that is what we're going to talk about today, but she is so much more than that. She has decades experience, not only with a science background, but with so many other things that you're going to learn about today. Really, this woman is just a wealth. (laughs) She has so much to offer the world, and I am really, really excited to share her with you all today. And so before I go any further, let me welcome to the show, Eleanor Kibrick. Welcome, Eleanor. Thank you, Michelle. I'm glad to be here. Thank you. (laughs) So I like tease a little bit about your background, that you are an astrologer. That is how I found you, um, because I really wanted to do some deep diving into the different types of astrology, because I think people just don't really understand um, it. And this show is a very basic level on purpose. And so we're going to cover that a little bit. Um, but before we do, would you mind just tell us a little bit about you? I know you started out as a scientist. I know you've lived all over the world. I just give us a little bit of your background. Well, a little bit of my background is I was born in Montreal in Canada. I'm Canadian. And uh, I've worked on a number of different projects in different countries over the span of my lifetime. And I did uh, come to astrology very early on in the 60s because uh, I was curious about it. And um, when I was in graduate school in California in the 60s, um, I started getting interested in astrology because it was a thing in the 60s. And saw that uh, in the, uh, for instance, I took courses with the medical students, although I wasn't in medicine, and I could see differences in the different teachers, like um, uh, a neurologist who's at the top of the totem pole, so to speak, with his entourage coming by, and I was wondering if he was a Leo. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and uh, a, a person who was an anesthesiologist, I thought, they're behind the scenes. They're probably a Pisces or a Virgo. And so it just started like that way from curiosity. Then I studied with a teacher and I began doing readings in the mid 70s and found it fascinating that, uh, you know, uh, so it's I've been doing it ever since. And I find that it's very profound And that each of us, each of our birth charts is like a unique cosmic signature, if you will, that nobody else has. And so um, it's very uh, exciting and I'm still excited by it because when I do readings and people really relate to them, I'm very excited, like it really works. (laughs) And the scientist in me is very happy about that. And um, So that's just a little bit about me. And yes, I've worked with a lot of health professionals, especially nurses, in in, um, having experiential workshops on how our thoughts and our words affect our health and well-being and using uh, muscle testing to confirm to people how much energy we give off 
by our selection of our words and even by our unspoken thoughts. I am so in tune with that. Um, you know, there's so much validity to the power of words that people just don't really even realize. Even the difference between saying if you're sick or talking about wellness and how we identify. Um, and I would love to have you, we've actually already talked about this, come back on the show and do a complete show on how words affect not only our mental well-being, but our actual physicality. And the people around us. And the people around us. Yeah. So I'm really looking forward to that as well. And when you said you were in California in the 60s, you weren't just anywhere in California. <laughs> <laughs> I was right in the Haight-Ashbury, actually. I was at the San Francisco Medical Center, and that's just above Golden Gate Park on the Haight-Ashbury. So I was there with the first loving and being and the first concert someone took me to was a double bill with Grace Slick and the Jefferson Airplane and Janis Joplin. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, I just got goosebumps. I can't even yeah, imagine. It was <laughs> totally amazing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, OK, well, let's dive in. So I found you um, by referral from a friend of mine who has worked with different astrologer astrologers and you came highly recommended. And then you and I did a reading. I was so excited about that as well. So if you could just explain first kind of the difference between Western astrology and then Vedic astrology, I think these are terms that people throw around, but they don't actually know what they are and what they mean. Well, they're very different. And honestly, I've never studied Vedic astrology and but what I do know is the farthest away planet that is in Vedic astrology is Saturn. It, go, it doesn't go past Saturn. And in Western astrology, you go past Saturn to Uranus, to Pluto. And those are three very important elements. That yeah. And you cut out there for a moment. So it was Uranus, Neptune and Pluto are included correct. in Western astrology, but they're not included in Vedic. Correct. Yeah. Okay. So let's go tell us a little bit about Western astrology then, like how it's kind of used and the benefits. Well, um, what's been happening recently with, um, with quantum physics is they have finally mathematically proven that the universe is an interconnected web. Well, Buddha knew this 5,000 years ago, you know, and other people knew it other uh, spiritual leaders knew this uh knew this they know this that we're all connected and we're all in the same universe we can't be anywhere out of the universe we're all in it together and so when we're born uh i draw up a chart and look at where the planets were in our solar system when the person was born correcting for the time and the place and that gives me a tremendous amount of information about this person in terms of their tendencies, their strengths, their weaknesses, their attitudes, their relationships, their work, on and on and on. There's a tremendous amount of information in someone's birth chart, which is also called the natal chart. And so everyone has their own cosmic signature that nobody else has. It never repeats itself. It's one time. And even when I've done uh, readings for identical twins, they're not identical people. They have a lot of the same characteristics for sure, but they make their own choices. So for instance, if they have a tendency, let's say to misuse alcohol or drugs, one does and one doesn't. 
you know, because there's choice in there. It's not a fatalistic, uh, it's not fatalistic astrology. It gives you tools that are helpful to you to uh, manage your life, but the decisions you make um, are yours to make. And I don't know if you know this, Michelle, but um, Carl Jung was an astrologer and he didn't see a patient before he saw their chart. That had to come first. So he knew who would be coming into his office and ahead of time. And it makes a huge difference in being able to help people, very specific patterns they have, but otherwise can be hidden for years. I think this is so incredibly interesting. Um, there's so much I loved about my personal reading with you. I, I just, you know, maybe we'll go into a little bit later, maybe not. But one of the things I liked is that you started with the part of my life that I've already lived and started kind of like explaining things about me. And it was so fun for somebody who hasn't done this before. And I mean, done it with somebody who really knows what they're doing. There's a lot of people out there who don't, you know, they're not really trained as well as maybe they could be, but somebody who's really trained in this is I almost felt like it was looking at a baby book where my mom had taken really amazing notes of things I did before I could remember. And then when you read it, you're like, oh my gosh, that makes so much sense. Or I kind of remember that. And you have this feeling like this knowing inside. And so I felt like a lot of my chart, when you were telling me things about myself in the first half of the reading, it resonated so much with truth in a way that I'd never actually thought about before. And this, I don't know if this is like the best example or not. I'm going to give two examples. One is you said my Venus and um, Mars were balanced. There was a line going between them and having to do with masculine and feminine energy with me being balanced. And it was so interesting because I've never really articulated that to anybody that I feel just as much almost like male as female, if that makes sense. Like I'm very Absolutely. much, a, very much a woman. I am heterosexual. Not that any of that matters whatsoever. I dream sometimes as a man, I have feelings. It's about energy. I feel this energy very balanced inside of me of masculine feminine. And when you said that, it was like, oh my gosh, wow. It's not just me wondering about that. It's actually written in the stars. <laughs> I really liked that. Um, and you know, there was something else that you had said about how my planets were aligned about me having some abandonment issues. And you said, did something happen when you were really, really little that maybe like, does this resonating with you? And you saw it very strongly based on my charts. And it was like, wow, like that is one of the biggest themes in my life actually. And how it affects my relationships, even with my friends. And it was just, it was actually very cool to kind of see that and also know that that means it's something I can work on. And when I'm having these feelings, they're not like out of the blue, I can work on them. You know, I can work on them. And I know, and you gave me some tips for me personally on things I can do to kind of heal that and make it strong. And I did it. And I'm telling you within just a couple of days, I started feeling differently. Um, so I thought that was really interesting. You also had mentioned, um, I think, now correct me if I'm wrong, something about with not me personally, but just in general, maybe somebody's Mercury's in Capricorn. And so they give too many deal, details. Like they tell stories that go on and on with all these details. Is that correct? Yes. I'd love you to give a couple examples of like things that, like you said, oh, this anesthesiologist must be a so-and-so because he's behind the scenes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you know, I'm just remembering, I, I, I lived in the Washington DC area with my husband for about 30 years. And I remember doing some workshops 
astrology workshops. In fact, one I did in a Buddhist temple. <laughs> and I had come and it was all about Mercury. What sign was Mercury in when you were born? Nothing else. No, you not your sun sign, your moon, just Mercury. And it was so fascinating because I had everybody talk in turn, sharing whatever they wanted to. And just from the way they spoke, it, they were uniquely a Mercury and Pisces was an actor who has a vivid imagination and emotes beautifully. Mercury in my husband, Capricorn, they love data and details. And uh, there was another, in fact, it was a monk who also had Mercury in Capricorn and they got along like beautifully. <laughs> <laughs> also team up with people they felt they get along with, you know, and myself, I'm, I have Mercury in Aquarius when I was born. So I really like the big picture, the overview, and I like to get to the point quickly. So, uh, you know, and on and on it went. It was fascinating. And I'm just thinking of another thing that I did years ago in the Catskills. We had a huge women's gathering, about 100 women for a weekend. And I had everyone first. I had 12 signs in a big circle. and Everyone stood where their sun sign was. Okay. And see what they had in common, which was okay, but nothing exciting. But then I had everyone stand in their moon sign. The moon has to do with our values. It has to do with our emotional responsiveness. It has to do with many things. And the women, for instance, who were born with their moon in Sagittarius, because I had each group give us a report, okay? So the Sagittarius moon women, their report was jumping and screaming and dancing. That was their report. The... <laughs> The women who had their moon in Capricorn among them was a good friend of mine. They were very serious about their lives and they felt so great to be together because they understood each other. Understood. So I've done these kind of experimental gatherings to just see what, what happens. And it's been amazing, totally amazing and lots of fun. Do you, um, I, should, I was going to say, do you have people come to you, uh, like relationship issues or like, can you use this to help people kind of like navigate who they'd be more compatible with, or maybe they end up falling with, in love with somebody that they're not as compatible with. <laughs> and I don't know. I don't think I, yeah, but that's a basic mis misconception. I don't do compatibility readings because you can have people as different of me and Bill read my husband and I are really different. And, uh, and in, in um, traditional, I guess, readings, people say, oh, you guys are not compatible. Compatibility is a choice, too. And it has to do with intention. It has to do with, do you have a commitment to this relationship? Is it important enough to you to put in your life energy into this? Or is it not? And if it's not, that's cool, too. But don't, you're not going to get along with anyone unless you do what you need to do uh, with a commitment to the relationship. And if you don't want to relate at that level, that's okay. But I don't, I don't judge people in terms of you're compatible and you're not, not at all. No. So maybe let me rephrase that a little bit. Is it that are, do certain signs? Um, I don't know, like just maybe, why don't you tell us what you would like to share about astrology and how it can be used as a tool or what you like about it? Like, why did you dedicate your life to this in part? 
Well, I think I'm going to just backtrack on what I did say about compatibility because it, it's kind of left dangling. Um, you know, people will read, uh, you know, astrology and say, oh, I'm an Aquarius, you're um, uh, a Gemini, we should get along really well. But that's just two sun signs. It doesn't explain the intricacies and the depth of the rest of your planets and patterns. So there's that. And also, uh, I do uh, my favorite partnership readings are with new babies coming in, and I introduce them to the family. This is a different person than you, just so I can let you know what they're like. And then I also have the charts of their parents, their siblings. And so I work around the whole dynamic of the family to see how they can best get along. Like I did one family actually that live, I think they live in Germany, and the younger daughter was really the dominant one in the whole family. She was going to run the family. <laughs> they could already see it. And she was maybe two years old. They could see it, you know, and they they appreciated it, you know. So that's just a tiny example. And I certainly do um, personal partnerships, business partnerships and whatever to just help people understand each other. Well, that's so, what I meant by it. I didn't mean like, should I date this person? I didn't mean that. Right. I meant more of like, how can we understand each other? And um, I don't know, maybe have more patience or exactly, you know, yeah. just kind of like, you know, I give you the example, I'd say this, my mom wouldn't mind. She can tell a story that goes on and on. And there's the details of, um, and she's brilliant writer and storyteller. But when we're speaking, I know the name of the person who checked her out. I know what they had for dinner the previous Thursday. And I know what soccer team their son is on, right? Right. And I'm just trying to find out if they had avocados in stock, you know. <laughs> it's the same with me and my husband. <laughs> what, what we've learned is that for me to have more patience and also for him to understand that if he gets too much into the detail, it overloads me. I can't I can't hold on to it. Right. It, I just wired differently. And so understanding those dynamics between us has really made a huge difference in in our relationship because we understand how we operate in the world and it's in different ways um could you maybe give us some examples of uh i don't know like different signs or different planets how they affect or what they mean well first of all we don't look at what's in the stars the only star in our chart is our sun I, know, I just well, like to say that the planets, no, I apologize. It's just, no, don't apologize. Yeah, no, thank you for correcting me. <laughs> <laughs> no apologies necessary. <laughs> that I don't know what's in the stars. I know the planetary positions were when you were born. So that if, for instance, and it's really so helpful, you know, I've done readings for people who've told me, I've gone to this psychiatrist for five years and I learned more about myself in one reading. I mean, and I'm not saying it to blow my own horn. It's more like we get to the nitty gritty of what motivates them, what assumptions they have. And these patterns start with our birth chart when we're born. So for using you as an example, Michelle, and you were born with a pattern that shows, um, you know, deep disappointment in relationships, uh, a pattern, uh, you know, loss or abandonment. It starts with our family. That's where we first 
um, live these patterns. And so it could be parents got divorced or someone died or whatever, but there's, there's loss and there's a feeling of abandonment that starts early. So then you still have the same birth pattern. And so it plays itself out in different stages of our lives. But as we get more and more uh, comfortable and more and more knowing of who we are and what our patterns are and so on, then we can deal with a lot more. Like with you, you said, oh my goodness, yeah, that's that's a pattern. Well, you must have had something go on in your childhood because it starts with the people in our family and then it can go to a school teacher, a school principal, a boss, a spouse. You know, there you take the pattern with you wherever you go, but it doesn't mean you're at the same effect of it as when you were a child. You still have the tendency. Right. And- I love that you also, you saw that I love a life of out of the box. I love, I feel the best when I'm traveling, when I'm meeting new people, experiencing new things out of the box. And you also, not me particularly, but just in general to people, you kind of explained why people have what we call like a midlife crisis. Yeah, there are different cycles in our life. So there's a planet called Saturn that takes about 30 years to go around the whole chart, the whole 12 signs. And so usually around the age of 29, 30, 31, we kind of evaluate ourselves and go, God, I thought by now I'd be married and have a PhD. And instead I'm serving Starbucks coffee. You know what happened? Right. (laughs) So it's a situation time. Lots of people get married around then too, because they they're ready or they want security. And so that's one pattern that's in our late 20s, early 30s. And the next one is what you mentioned, the midlife crisis. And that that's a place where the planet Uranus is opposite itself. What does that mean? It happens, uh, you know, at, at when we're uh, anywhere between 39, 40, 41, is that suddenly we wake up to our life and go, oh, my goodness, I became a pharmacist because my family told me I better have a regular paycheck. And I was trained as an opera singer. And this is a true example of meeting someone who was in crisis. Like, what has she done with her life? She doesn't want to be a pharmacist. It doesn't work for her. So she can't go back to where she was in terms of performance. But we worked out a thing where she went back to her original teacher and started, you know, awakening her voice and getting lessons. And her teacher actually trained people for the Metropolitan Opera in New York. I mean, she was highly trained. But anyway, so she st- she ended up uh, teaching pharmacy instead of counting pills in the basement of a hospital. And she created some uh, one or two choirs that she that became international and she traveled with them. So she was able to really awaken to her music again, which which fills her heart. Yeah, you know, so that, that crisis comes from not living your sole purpose, I guess, or not, not living, living your meant truth. purpose. Not living your truth. Not living your truth. Not living your you're truth. You're living your society's truth. You're living your family's truth. You're living. You're living your spouse's truth. Not your. What is your truth? Like what is what what is your what do you really get excited about? You know, yeah. and uh, it makes such a difference in Europe phenomenal example of living your truth and breaking out of um, like jail, 
you know? Yeah. And it took me decades to get there though. And you're right. Not living, living the way I thought I should be living got so oppressively feeling that I got sick, you know, I got to be careful with these words, but it's like, it's very interesting. Um, and when, so when you're telling me about my planet, Terry line alignment, when I was born and you're explaining these things to me, it was like, oh my gosh, it's not just me doing things on a whim. It's not that all of a sudden I felt like, oh, I just feel differently. It was so deep inside. I just never really articulated it because it didn't make sense to like society or my family, you know, you don't just do, you know, and then once I started actually living in my truth, it was amazing. I felt younger. I felt happier. I felt healthier. And it was scary. No question. It was scary, but it was amazing. Um, and so for you to show me, you didn't know anything about me. We had not talked about that. And when you started telling me this about myself, it was like an amazing aha moment. You know, it was an aha moment. Oh yeah. Well, you were born with two planets, very close together. Uranus, which is spontaneity, authenticity, uh, based, you know, it's the ruler of Aquarius. And then it's right next to the planet of good fortune, Jupiter, which expands it, which means you're way outside of the box. <laughs> you know, you were born outside of the box. So you probably, if you reflect back, you probably realize I didn't fit into my society all that well when hardly. I was, I felt hardly right. Yeah. Cause that's your nature. Yeah. And I tried so hard. I was born a way that looked like I, the way I look fit in, but how I felt did not fit in at all. And I tried so hard to fit in. And I'm telling you, those of you out there listening, if any of this is resonating with you, like just not feeling connected or that maybe you don't match your life. I encourage you to contact Eleanor. Her readings are phenomenal. There's so much insight and I'll put a link in the show notes to this episode. So anybody out there listening who wants to contact her, um, you can do that on your own. Um, but yeah, it just really gave me, uh, it gave me some validation and, um, moving forward with my life and what I'm doing that I am on the right track and it does feel good. It gave me some validation to see that it's not just me feeling this way, which is so important. I always say we have to trust our inner guidance system, but also that it's in my charts. It's right there. It's right there. It's my fingerprints, my cosmic fingerprints. (laughs) That's right. Exactly. And nobody else has them but you. So the kind of life you lead is suitable to you. It doesn't mean it's suitable to your best friend or whoever. Right. And, um, and so it's such a gift to ourselves to really feel connected to what makes us happy. What feels exactly. Right. You know, it, it's, um, you know, without the overlay of, having to please people or feel you have to get other person's permission and give your power away to them. You know, there are those patterns. And the thing is, you don't need to be stuck in them. The main thing is to know what they are. And a lot of people don't No, And I didn't 10 years ago, 15 years ago, I knew I wasn't necessarily happy. I knew I was very confused and felt stuck, but I didn't know why I felt like I didn't feel freedom until just a few years ago other than when I was a little kid or maybe 23, but seeing this, like, I'll tell you again, for people out there listening is if you feel like you don't even know, like you don't even know where to start, or you're not even sure that's what is so great about these readings is that it can help identify 
things to get you on that track. It's like, if you're happy, great, keep doing it. But if you're not, you need to make some changes, but what changes? Not everybody knows. Like I didn't for years. I didn't know how to change. I didn't know what would make me feel good. Um, well, part, a big part of it is timing. It's you timing. Was, I wasn't awake. Lessons you needed to learn along the way. Absolutely. And that's a whole other conversation. Um, and yeah. I truly believe in that. But once you're starting to wake up and if this is resonating with you and you want to know more, I highly encourage you to check it out with Eleanor. She's phenomenal. Um, something else that you had said when we were speaking before, which I thought was really interesting is that astrology doesn't just affect, of course, us human life forms, but our earth, even our country. And so this podcast is in over a hundred countries, but we just had an important date in North America or the United States, which was 2-22-22. And you shared with me why this was important. And I said, and so if you wouldn't mind, like share how astrology can also affect um, things that happen in history. Absolutely. Well, yeah, it, each country, when it's born, has a chart of where the planets were when the country was born. So when the U.S. was born in 1776, in July the 4th, there was a chart drawn up by astrologers to see the birth date of the United States. Okay. At that time, the planet Pluto happened to be in the sign of Capricorn. Now, Pluto is very far away, and it makes one complete rotation around the sun every 250 years, approximately. Well, we're at the U.S. Pluto return right now. It has returned to the same degree in Capricorn as in 1776 for the first time. So what's happening is that the energy of Pluto, it has to do with what's below the surface what's going on and so what's come up we now talk about systemic racism not one incident of the time we talk about the foundational aspects of the country that was started with slave slavery labor and so on and now it's reveal it's being revealed why to clear it and to clean it and to cleanse it and to move on from that kind of uh, mindset and culture, and the United States affects every country in the world. You know, it's it's a world power. It's the world power. And so when it's going through this huge upheaval, and someone like Trump was Pluto return, you know, like things are going to happen that are breaking down things that are on weak foundations. Why? So we can build on a healthy foundation. And so we're in that cycle and it affects the entire world right now. And it's a very serious time. And I also have been very involved with First Nations people, Aboriginal people and so on. And there have been prophecies for hundreds of years about this time right now, right now. Wow. You know, Can you give us any examples? Yeah. Well, in the 70s, I was living in Toronto and we had this big fantastic conference of all alternative stuff, quote unquote. And I went to one of the uh, small gatherings um, uh, at, at the time, and I met this Hopi elder, Thomas Banyaka. And he was in this room, maybe there were 15 of us there. And he unrolled this piece of leather, and there was a picture on it, like a, a line diagram. 
And he was talking about humanity, making decisions that led to more and more danger to the point where if humanity uh, didn't turn right or left, they're walking off the cliff. Okay. I took that so into myself. It so felt right. And his mission from the 1940s was to tell the Hopi prophecy at the United Nations. And it didn't happen until the late 90s when wow. they had International Aboriginal Day. But I, I, it was amazing. I mean, I quit my job. I decided I had to tell the Hopi story and uh, do a television program. Well, I had no money and no experience and it didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> I love your honesty. <laughs> you know, I went to California. I met with a producer, nothing, you know, but I didn't know what I was doing really. But it was that strong a commitment of mine to tell the Hopi story because it was that important. And interestingly enough, I was involved with a big prayer vigil for the earth in Washington, D.C. for a number of years. And Thomas Banyaka was there every year. So it was it was wonderful. But it was, you know, they talked about the times of cleansing and purification are coming. Cleansing is by fire and purification. Purification is by fire and cleansing is by water. And look at the fires and and, and floods we're having. It's I mean, so true all around the world, um, you know, Turkey, uh, Australia, the United States, of course, for people who are listening in other countries who aren't familiar with who you just mentioned and the Hopi, would you just like briefly say who they are? The Hopi are Native Americans who settled on a high mesa, a high plain in Arizona and parts of New Mexico, and they're the carriers of prophecies. And um, they have uh, their own culture and language and so on. And, um, and they, in a sense, were put at that position to have to live with their connection with creator. It's, there's no rain there practically. The soil is terrible. How they survive for hundreds of years? Well, they have ceremonies that call in the rain and they have ceremonies where the food can grow well, corn and, you know, beans, squash, stuff like that. And uh, so they are uh, amazing. The tradition is amazing because their survival directly is connected to uh, the state of their ceremonies. Their ceremonies are really powerful. And so, I, sorry, go on. So the prophecies they have, is it for the world? Is it yeah, for, yeah. 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 Oh, and yeah. It's because they're in touch with Mother Earth. Right. In a way, we've forgotten. We like we all were at one point, and then we just throughout the centuries have forgotten. Yeah. I mean, who feeds us? Who, who you know? Yeah. How do we survive? I mean, obviously, the planet provides us with everything we need for our survival, but we're destroying her. And so survival becomes much more iffy right now. And so just to um, lighten it up a bit, there yeah. are people doing ceremony all over the world, especially groups of women elders. And so um, we're in a stage in history, in, in, in the big picture, where the women are stepping forward and the men are supporting them from behind. And that is a dynamic that's growing really quickly on every continent, just to let you know that. 
That's beautiful. I love to see that. Um, you know, it's interesting. Uh, even if you look like at a political, how many more women are in a place of power in different countries now compared to 50 years ago, let alone a hundred, yeah. you know, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful. Um, anyway, so I, I just liked how you said there's, it's not just how it affects us individually, and we all affect each other, of course, because as you said, quantum physics, like everything is connected, but it also affects our world. You know, so no matter what country you're in, whatever culture you are around the world, we're all being affected by things oh, that are going crazy. on. And it's lined up in the planets, like we can see. Yeah, and, and the other thing too, is we always have choice. Like in the Hopi prophecy, you have a choice. You don't have to walk over the cliff. You have a choice every step of the way to turn away from walking over the cliff. So it isn't fatalistic, but it's talking about our responsibility to make life-affirming choices. It's our responsibility. It's so important that you said that. Um, and I just want to emphasize that again to anybody listening who maybe has had a bad reading because that happens all the time. I feel like people go to the palm reader, the astrologer that's on the, you know, the side of the road or whatever, and they get this really bad reading. You're never going to get married. You're never going to find love. You're going to lose all your money, things like that, that are really scary to people. And it's so important what you said that there aren't bad readings that you have choice that Absolutely. like you said, the twins where they're both drinkers and one quit drinking and one didn't. Exactly. There was choice there. So for anyone who maybe has had a bad reading or was scared, it, not all of these are created equal. Not everybody knows exactly what they're doing, to be honest. <laughs> what, well, I mean, the other thing too is one of the fears that people have is that I know when they're going to die. I have no clue when someone's going to die, nor would I want to know when someone's going to die. But uh, in uh, some um, uh Eastern readings, they do tell people their time of death, which I wouldn't know how to do anyway. But even if I did, I would, I mean, that's not, not me, not, not how I look at anything. That is, it's just, I think it's good to like emphasize that to people that there's no such thing as bad readings. It's just information. It's just information. Well, at the same time, um, you know, uh, astrologers or other readers can really scare people. That's like what you, I mean. Like anybody who's scared, yeah. it's like yeah. to put it in perspective that somebody who's really good and takes this seriously and ethically and knows what they're doing. Um, that's not the goal. The goal is not to scare you. Absolutely not. Just to provide no, information. If you and, to prov and also to show you what your strengths are. I love is, that. And to focus on that. Like you have a lot of strengths. In your chart, you have Pluto in harmony with your son. So you're naturally a strong person, a leader. People will trust you. And it's also like a spiritual connection. So um, uh, that's in your chart, you know. It doesn't mean that you manifested it when you were 12 years old. It will come through as you become more and more of who you are. I think it, this is such a great thing. I wish that everybody, like, I don't know, I don't want to say just after puberty, but somewhere in high school before you graduate had this done because it would help so much. You know, like they do the skills test to see if you're a good writer, to see if you're good at business. It's like, this should be part of that. This should be part of a working tool, kind of like you said, um, 
earlier in the episode, you know, the doctor used it before he goes in to see the patients. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And like when I do families, I, I have done not too many, but like families of adults, you know, yeah. we, you know, I show them all their dynamics and it really helps them understand their dynamics and that nobody's right. Nobody's wrong. Everyone's different. And so, um, and when I do charts for parents, for their children, it's very helpful for them. We, I, if you want an example, I'll give you a tiny one. Yes, please. I was doing a reading for, in fact, um, she was my boss. Uh, I was teaching at this college and she wanted a reading for her three-year-old. So I said, fine. So I drew up her chart and her three-year-old's chart. And the first thing that came out of my mouth, because I don't plan ahead what I'm going to say. It, it really does come through me. I said, your child is not a jock. Well, she got so upset. It's like I, I said, why are you so upset? Oh, she's a jock. She's an so for people who are English isn't first language. That means an athlete, like right. very athletic. Your, your child is not athletic. And this very athletic mother was very upset. So I said, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Your child is an artist. Is she doing any painting? She said, yes, all over my walls. <laughs> <laughs> Have you taken her to children's gymnastics? She said, yes. I said, is she interested in gymnastics? She said, no. I said, of course, because she's not athletic. It doesn't mean she shouldn't move our, her body or play games or whatever, but she's not you. She's a Taurus. She's the salt of the earth. She needs to be coaxed. And do you find that it's hard to get her to do anything if she's has if she's involved in the activity? She said, yes. And the mother used to get so impatient with her, like, put on your coat. We're going out. Well, this poor little kid needs a warning. You know, they don't act quickly. You need to have patience with them. And so that helped her a lot because she she understood that her daughter was really different from her and to make uh, uh, allowances for that so that she wouldn't be frustrated. She would just feed her daughter those things that nourish her daughter. So now I'm wishing that um, my children's father and myself would have done this when our kids were born. I think it would have really helped. I should just apologize to them now. <laughs> <laughs> Alexa Austin, so sorry. Yeah. <laughs> for yeah. all the things we did that we did not know. <laughs> well, that goes for all of us, really. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> um. Well, for somebody who hasn't done their chart before, kind of walk us through what information you would need from somebody. Basically, I need your full name, your date and time and place of birth. Okay. And, and if there's somebody like me, I had everything but the time, unfortunately, we could still do a reading. We just didn't get as detailed. The um, patterns in the chart will be the same for the 24 hours, except for the moon, which moves pretty quickly. So I, if you don't know your exact time, but uh, you knew that it was sometime after dinner, it's helpful. Uh, so I can, you know, make an estimate. It won't be accurate for time, but it'll be fairly close within the 24 hours. If someone absolutely doesn't know their time, I use noon, which is the midpoint, midday. And um, the patterns will be the same patterns throughout the day. But in terms of where they are in the circle that they're within, will be different because the chart is also like a 24 hour clock. And when you know the birth time, we put your son on that clock. So 
Um, when I did this with Eleanor last week, I was able to give her as much information as I could, where I was born, obviously the date, of course I know, you know, and then she took some time and did the research and did all the stuff, the intuitive work that she does looking at the charts. And then you, Eleanor, emailed me a copy and it was like, kind of like a circle and it had all the planets on it and it had different colored lines drawn from the different planets and angles and corners and all this different stuff. And then we spent um, a good hour, hour and a half, at least I would say, with you explaining what it all meant, like what it means to have Capricorn and Venus or what it means to have a line here or there. Um, and, you know, I drop my charts by hand and I, um, I don't give out printed charts from uh, the computer where uh, I'm a teacher by nature. And so I have a teaching chart, which explains what the theme is uh, in each of the 12 sections of the chart. And also um, I find that when you look at the chart and you see your patterns and you see planets connected with red lines or blue lines or green lines, then you have your portrait there in a different way. And so you can be more uh, objective about yourself because you're looking at your portrait, your astrological portrait. And that way uh, you can, like you accepted all kinds of things when I questioned you, uh, and then you, I could point to, well, Michelle, can you find Pluto? It looks like a P. Can you find the sun? It's a circle. Yes. With a, you know, and then you see, I explain the pattern to you. And it's from teaching. I've taught so many different things over so many years, including natural history galleries and museum. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was so obvious because as much as I'm in um, wellness and, and, you know, of course we call alternative healing and energy work, I'm not super familiar with this. This is out of my wheelhouse. So for me, looking at the charts, I didn't know which one was what planet. And so you would say, see this, it looks like a K or see this, it looks like the symbol for a man. And I'm like, oh yeah, okay, I can find that. And you're like, okay, see that red line going up to the top. <laughs> and it was so easy. Like I felt like maybe I was five or six years old following this diagram and it just really demystified and made it so easy to follow. So it's obvious that you have a lot of experience teaching. <laughs> well, the other thing too, is you use the keyword demystify because a lot of astrologers keep it very mystified. And they somehow magically tell you thing about yourself, but they don't show you your chart. Right. They don't show you your chart. You just take your take their word for it, but you, it doesn't stick with you. It, you I, made it so easy. It's like, you know, I used to go to yoga before I was awake and back in the day, and I, I kind of went kicking and screaming. And I, you know, somebody's talking about prana or chi, or I'm like, just say life force energy. Just explain to me what you're doing. <laughs> you know, I hear these words and, and actually that's, part of why I named this podcast, you lost me at namaste because there's so many things. Excellent, excellent, excellent uh, title. I think Thank you. Yeah, yeah. There's so many things that people hear and if they don't understand it, they just tune out. Because I used to have a radio program called uh, Cosmic Know-How, Astrology for Everyone. <laughs> oh, I love that. That's, I love that. Oh my goodness. Um, what were some of the top questions that you would get? Because that's perfect. Like that's really today what I'd like to get out there is astrology for everyone. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, 
it was it was really hard work because I had an hour every week to prepare for to prepare. And then people would um, email their questions, uh, occasionally phone. And um, and I did it for three years and then I was exhausted. It was just too much. It was right. just every week, you know, an hour. So uh, because I was talking about what's going on in the world and, you know, researching different things. And so I just want to do my readings. That's what I really, you know, following my heart. I just want to do readings, you know. Well, you are phenomenal. And I really encourage anybody out there, no matter where you are in the world, she is in Ottawa, Canada, which is Eastern Standard Time, correct? So right now, yeah. Again, I will put contact information in the show notes of this podcast. Just scroll down on your phone or computer wherever you're listening to this and you'll see connections so you can do this for yourself. Um, and you just brought up like what's going on in the world and how you would get like emotionally drained or exhausted from doing this. And I, that leads me in to the next thing I would love you to explain when we are getting bombarded with this 24 hour news cycle, or we're around people in this crazy energy that's going on in the world, we absorb it and take it on sometimes. And you had a really wonderful energy clearing that you had me do the other day that you were telling me about. And I'd love you to share it with our listeners. It was the brushing your body one. And yeah. could you explain to everybody how you can quickly and easily clear the energy by brushing your body? Walk us through that. Yeah. Well, let's say, um, you know, definitely what's going on in the world is affecting all of us. And those who are more sensitive are affected more, but everyone's being affected. It, it's This is huge what's going on right now all over the world in every country. There's tremendous stress uh, that people are feeling and uh, so many refugees, et cetera. So on, on just a, a day-to-day scale, so to speak, let's say you're with your friend or whatever at lunch and they're having a rough time and you were happy when you sat down with them and when you left, you're having a rough time. So it's important to stop and say, wait a minute. I'm, I was okay before I had lunch with my friends. So what's going on here? You picked up her stress or his stress. And so it's in your body. So what can you do? You stand, stand up and say, whatever is my energy is mine. Whatever is not my energy, I now release. And you exhale strongly and brush your body and get that energy down from the top of your head to the soles of your feet and into the ground. And if you do it a few times, you'll start feeling a whole lot better. I need to remind myself to do it too, because, you know, things just happen and I don't notice right away, you know, and then I go, oh my God, why am I so tired? You know? Absolutely. Plus you're giving readings to people. And when you give readings, people are going to start telling you their stories because it resonates. And sometimes they're really difficult stories and it's emotional. And so that will stick to you as well. So tell us again, so you stand up, and you just kind of like use your hand and like literally brush yourself. Both hands, and you brush from the top of your head, both hands, down the front of your body, down the back of your body, whatever you can reach, down your legs, down your feet, and imagine it's going into the ground. And do it a few times from the top to bottom and see how you feel, you know? And um, because what you're saying is whatever is my energy is mine. So you're responsible for your own energy. But whatever is not mine, I now release. That's someone else's energy. It's not mine to carry. It's not mine. So um, it's important to 
remember that and just even say it's not mine. Like if you're somewhere where you can't be brushing down your body, just say <laughs> not mine. It is not mine. It does not, not belong to me. I've and done versions of this, like literally where I went into the bathroom and closed the bathroom <laughs> stall. <laughs> like, <laughs> even on an airplane, I did it once. <laughs> Yeah, it's, you know, because we're all sponges, you know, we take on uh, energies, especially now. I mean, in the media, I've really cut down my my uh, watching the news Same. I, I, at the most one hour day at the most. Yeah. And, um, uh, you know, in a program that that I respect and um it's very difficult now. And I think also if we focus on others and not just on ourselves, if we even make donations or we can help people, it really is very healthy for us. It raises our vibration to feel that connection in a positive way when we have an yeah, active service. And, and do tangible things like do be of service to your friends, to your family, to you know, whatever, the food pantry, the homeless shelter, whatever. And, and, um, and I also uh, donate, I don't have that much money, but I certainly donate to all kinds of organizations with modest amounts that I feel they're directly serving the people. I don't donate to major organizations that have a very top heavy administrative costs. I donate to like Doctors Without Borders or all kinds of different right. organizations that the money goes directly to the service. They don't have fancy offices. Yeah, yeah, that's, well, that was such a wonderful thing to share. It's so important that we clear our energy, not just from the media, but um, it could be from a loved one next to us. You know, like we just that's never right. know where it comes. So we have to be aware and do that. Um, and I can't believe this hour has gone by so quickly. I feel like I could talk to you all evening. Um, so- Well, to be continued. Yes, to be continued for sure. I would love to have you back on talking about your experience with coaching and words and how words affect our body. I would really, really like that. Um, so everybody stay tuned. Eleanor is coming back on. <laughs> Thank you very much for this opportunity because it's very interesting in terms of a co coinciding in time because just in the last couple of months, I've gotten to feel it's time for me to get out in the world again, because I was so exhausted after three years of the radio that I didn't do any, you know, I mean, I do readings, but just, you know, I'm, I'm yeah. available again uh, on a broader scale. And so, and you came along like the same time. I mean, it's, it's kismet. <laughs> and I love that. And we wouldn't even go into, you know, these huge prayer things that you did on the, the Washington DC mall with hundreds of thousands of people, I'm sorry, for years, for two decades, or I think you did some stuff with kinesiology as well. And, um, you've volunteered all around the world. And so there is so much more that just as being a good human who's dedicated her life to service of humanity, I'd love to have you back on the show just to share some of those stories as well. Well, you know, when people used to ask me what I did, I would say I'm leading a life of service. That's what I do. It's evident. <laughs> it's evident. Well, I wish you guys could all see her. She is just such a beautiful ball of light. <laughs> These big, gorgeous turquoise earrings and a beautiful smile that just like lights up her entire face. <laughs> um, well, I guess that's a, that's a wrap for today. Is there any parting words that you wanted to share? 
as um, as one of my friends says, keep looking up. <laughs> yes, I love that. That's so true. Keep looking up the light. <laughs> Um, All right. Well, that's it for this episode of You Lost Me at Namaste. I'm your host, Michelle Schoenfeld. Remember that you are worthy. You are enough. You were born for a reason and the world needs your gifts. So keep on going. Um, That's it. Again, thank you, Eleanor, for joining us. Namaste, everybody. Namaste. (laughs) Thank you for listening to this episode of You Lost Me at Namaste. If you liked it or you like this podcast in general, please take a moment and share the love by dropping me a review, giving me a rating, or sharing it with your friends. The more love and light we can spread, the better our world will be. Thank you, and until next time, namaste.